0: Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Friday, September 23rd. We begin with our weekly conversation with Mayor Jyoti Gondek. The mayor brings us the latest from City Hall, including an update on council's strategy to combat the increasing number of violent crimes in the city.
1: Next, the latest on the New York State lawsuit against former President Donald Trump and his family for financial fraud. We get details from Global News Washington Bureau Chief
0: Jackson Crosco. And finally, a new poll finds that 54% of Gen Z and millennials say they won't be able to reach their financial goals without the Bank of Mom and Dad's help. We discuss the results of the survey with Moira klein Swarmink, wealth management advisor with Ed. Edward Jones.
1: <laughs> what steps has the City of Calgary taken on the path towards truth and reconciliation? With some insights as to what will happen on September 30th, we're joined this morning by Mayor Jody Gondek. Good morning to you, Mayor. Good morning, Sue and Andy. How are you? Excellent, thanks. Happy Friday. Thank you, you too. Uh, second annual Truth and Reconciliation Day stat holiday. It's a week away. How important is the recognition of this day for the City of Calgary, and what steps has the City taken towards truth and reconciliation?
2: It's incredibly important for all Canadians for us to realize the stories that we never knew existed because we buried them, quite frankly. We, we didn't want to talk about experiences of Indigenous communities, and we've been left with no choice after the discovery of mass graves of children at various residential school sites. It's about time we woke up to the realities faced by Indigenous communities, so to recognize this day is important to all of us, including the City of Calgary. And we will be marking the day with an event at Fort Calgary, which is intended to be a day to listen.
0: Mayor, I'm wondering, just a housekeeping uh, question for you. Uh, What will be open and what will be closed in the city? Is it closed like any other, because it's so new to us, like any other stat uh, holiday?
2: Well, you know what? There is more information at calgary.ca so that everyone can be up to speed on exactly what's still moving and what's not moving forward that day. I would encourage everyone to check out the website. There's so many different departments
1: Mm -hmm. and business units. I probably can't get into all of them. Fair enough. Okay, let's talk uh, right now. This is an issue right now and continues to be violence on Calgary streets, major concern for Calgarians. Is there a plan to address this issue? The majority of it is gun violence, obviously. What are what are, are is the city doing in conjunction with the police? Uh, how can people feel a little bit more assured that something is happening behind the scenes? Yeah, this is something that we've been talking to both our federal and provincial counterparts um,
2: about. Since I was elected um, last December, we held a first meeting of about 20 different stakeholder groups to say things seem to be escalating, not only in terms of people in, um, you know, in crisis, whether it's mental health issue or an addictions issue, but it's playing out on the streets. So we have seen some response. We have mobile crisis response teams which are able to take the person that is in a very serious situation out of that situation which is ultimately best for that individual as well as the community within which is within which this is happening but it's not enough we need to do so much more and so as a municipality our ability is incredibly limited if we don't have support uh, from the provincial and federal government when it comes to guns we've been working very closely with the calgary police service to see what we can do in terms of advocacy to get more support federally so it's um, not an easy solution, but I can tell you that we are working with everyone involved.
0: All right. Let's switch gears and talk about the Alberta Municipalities Conference uh, taking place. What can you tell us about that as far as the agenda and, and what sorts of things you hope to, to gain ground on as a, a unit of municipalities?
2: Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a busy week in our street. We've had a lot of folks here from all over the province. Uh, yesterday was a resolution session where there were a number of great ideas brought forward in terms of, you know, how do we advance, uh, you know, flood protection? How do we ensure that we are getting a fair shake from our provincial partners? I was really happy to see that Minister McIver was here engaging in conversations with us. And uh, yesterday there was a bit of a roundtable with Folks that are running for leadership in the UCP, and today we have the AGM, which is already underway, and we will hear from the leader of the opposition as well as the premier. So it's a good chance for all of us to come together and collectively ask for the things that we need.
1: Uh, mayor curious about this we just got a text in so how about this one uh would you please ask the mayor on my behalf about the homeless addicted those with mental health issues moving into communities like sunnyside crescent heights is there any plan in place to deal with this i mean this is also an ongoing issue we've been talking about this for some time now and we're not really seeing any any difference it doesn't seem yet anything anyway being made with the people who are living rough living on the streets those who have the mental health issues is there more being done on that front
2: There is more being done. I mean, one of the things that we've done is we've deployed um, more officers along transit routes uh, to make sure that we can deal with these situations as they come up. But again, it's really those mobile crisis response teams that are going to get us the best results where you have an expert in public health an expert in mental health and addictions working with Calgary Police Service and our peace officers to really help people who are in a situation of crisis. Because that individual's Um, situation plays out in that wider setting so it's something that we are continuing to work on but once again we've got to do it in partnership with the provincial government we've talked to several ministries about
1: this
0: Uh, madam mayor can we hold you over for one more segment for two minutes yeah for sure okay good stuff more with mayor jyoti gondek coming up
1: Back with Calgary Mayor Jyoti Gondek, Mayor. Thanks so much for staying with us. A couple of questions uh, coming in from texters. Uh, Nate wants to know if there's a plan to ban handguns in the City of Calgary.
2: Yeah, that's something that's come up a few times, and I would have to say that it's a responsibility of the federal government. At one point, they did try to push it down to municipalities with not a lot of luck. Um, It's something that is definitely uh, related to matters that the police have to deal with, that the Justice Department has to deal with. And offloading that kind of responsibility on municipalities where we already have enough on our plate, it's just irresponsible. So I look to them to do the right thing.
0: Want to talk about, you know, summer's coming well it, at a close now, the first full weekend of fall, but the festival season not over yet. Let's talk about Beakerhead mm-hmm. and you're actually involved with Beakerhead and the importance of such a festival to our city.
2: Yeah, I'm going to be uh, piloting something called Prosthesis, which is a 14 foot, 4,000 kilogram racing exoskeleton
1: um, over at Century Gardens. So there's some pretty cool stuff going on. Absolutely. So this is pretty neat. You get to, you're, be, it's the world's first fully operational mechanical suit, and you get to drive it. I know. That's pretty sweet. <laughs> See, all—the the job of mayor, it all makes it worthwhile when you get to do things like that, right? <laughs> 11 months in, finally. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thank you so much, Mayor. Thanks for uh, answering questions and thanks for joining us on a Friday. Have a great weekend. Have a great weekend yourselves, too. Calgary Mayor Joti Gondek. Donald Trump has been in the news a lot of late. Now this latest, lawsuit against Donald Trump and his children. Could it turn from a civil case to a criminal one? Let's talk about that. And all the news from south of the border. We're joined once again this morning by Global News Washington Bureau Chief Jackson Prosco. Hi, Jackson. Happy Friday. Good morning. Happy Friday. All right. Uh, well, we, I mean, he, we call him Teflon Don, right? Because nothing seems to stick. Might this
3: one. Yeah, you know, a very good question. This is something that had been speculated and rumored and really discussed for quite some time now. This idea that uh, Trump's businesses were vastly engaged in fraud, that he was ex- essentially uh, overinflating the value of his assets, that he was doing so to, you know defraud uh, insurance and taxes and, and really sort of game the system here. This was something that his former fixer, Michael Cohen had alleged for a very long time. And finally, New York's Attorney General has put this all to paper in a extensive lawsuit uh, that says this was a you know a deep fraud within the business involving trump and his adult children and we'll see where it goes they're seeking 250 million dollars in restitution they've made a referral to the uh, department of justice to the irs so this could open the door to criminal proceedings as well
0: it's interesting to me that the irs i know this was the attorney general the irs wasn't involved from the very beginning and the fbi itself would
3: would the fbi be involved in something like this you know, uh, potentially, I think it all sort of depends on where it goes. But really, the heart of the matter, I think, to all of it is it it brings into question or calls into question just how much of a successful business person Donald Trump really is. Is he even a billionaire? That is a question that has been asked for a very long time now. And again, the, the allegation at the heart of this is that he was inflating the value of assets, everything from his, you know, uh, worth to the size of his Manhattan penthouse which allegedly he tripled on paper in terms of square footage.
1: It, ongoing discussion on that one for sure we'll talk to you about it no doubt more. Uh, let's move to a different topic the Electoral Count Act set to be overhauled uh, by the U.S. House of Representatives. What exactly is this?
3: Yeah, so these were reforms that were essentially uh, aimed to stave off uh, the the maneuvering we attempted, we saw attempted in Congress back on January 6th, 2021, in which Trump and his allies thought that they could potentially use some, you know, ambiguity in the way the laws are written to try and overturn the election by sending things back to the states. And so the idea, of course, was that uh, they would rewrite the laws, remove that ambiguity, and really make it much more clear cut in terms of how the electoral count from the uh, state electors is certified. Uh, 206 Republicans voted against those reforms. The Republicans who supported them, though, were the, uh, you know the types like Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. The question, of course, will this find enough support in the Senate to pass and to sort of clarify the laws ahead of 2024? Uh, stay tuned, as they like to say. All right, we usually don't talk a lot of
0: weather with you, Jackson, but let's talk about uh, the story that is happening on the East Coast, Hurricane Fiona, on its way to Atlantic Canada after... Touching down in Puerto Rico this week. How much damage has been caused and how much of a a concern is this off the coastlines of the eastern uh, sections of the U.S.?
3: Yeah, you know, the biggest impacts were in Puerto Rico. And I think the story there is that, of course, it was almost exactly five years to the day after Hurricane Maria devastated that island. Uh, there were so many calls for reforms and anti-corruption measures and changes to the island's power grid uh, after that storm, which killed more than 3,000 people. And what we saw with Fiona is that even though it was a much weaker storm, it essentially stalled over the island. And the entire island's power grid, which was supposed to have been made more resilient and reformed, it collapsed before the storm even made landfall and plunged the entire island into darkness. And so real concerns about, uh, you know, the situation in Puerto Rico, uh, making the island in the Caribbean and the path of future storms more resilient there. Uh, FEMA, which uh, is, of course, in charge of disaster aid because Puerto Rico is a U.S. territory, said that they were much better prepared for the storm in advance and had staged more people there. But certainly recovery on that island is going to take a very long time.
1: Jackson, uh, do we know details from the meeting of world leaders at the U.N.? We know President Biden is there. What are they focusing on?
3: Yeah, it's all about Ukraine and Russia right now. And of course, Biden is really hammering the fact that Russia has upset the international norms here, not only with its threats to, of course, deploy nuclear weapons uh, here, but really this idea of the sham referendums taking place in four uh, eastern regions of Ukraine, which Russia seems all but certain to annex now after those referendums. Those referendums, by the way, taking place today, and locals there face a yes or no question. Do you want to become part of Russia or not? And this, of course, coming on the heels of Russia. Russia's mobilization of 300,000 reservists as well. So, certainly a a very daunting time. You know, there were calls at the UN to eject Russia from the UN Security Council. That's unlikely to happen, but it gives you a sense of just how outside the norms Russia is here right now. And I think the kind of question heading into the fall and winter is does the sort of Western coalition against Russia stick together here in the face of higher energy prices and cold weather in Europe at a time when Russia has basically turned off the taps? Uh, Do they stick together and continue to support Ukraine in this really perilous moment? Or do the forces of, you know, popular uprising of complaints and concerns about fuel prices, do those force European governments to sort of back away from support from Ukraine at a really tenuous time?
0: Jackson, earlier this week, the Federal Reserve announced it was raising its benchmark interest rate three-quarters of a point to help contain inflation the same day... Uh, Bank CEO, some of the major banks are coming out saying that the U.S. economy faces daunting challenges under the grips of the inflation. Uh, What is the general outlook at this point when it comes moving ahead with the economy?
3: Recession, recession, recession. I think that is the word to watch right now. And the question is sort of, is it a soft landing as the economy cools down, or is it something deeper and more painful? No one really knows right now. It's really kind of a mysterious economic picture in this country right now, as it is in Canada, right, where, uh, you know, the fundamentals underlying the economy are good. I mean, the housing market is slowed, but it hasn't collapsed. Prices are sl- slowly ticking down. There are fewer sales, but, you know, we're not seeing like a 2008-style housing market collapse. The jobs market is still great. Uh, unemployment, is painfully low. There is a shortage of workers right now, but you know those prices are stubbornly high and there is real concern about what the slowdown looks like when it does arrive. The markets certainly haven't been happy this week and I think you're going to see pretty sharp declines when the markets open this morning again.
1: Jackson, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Have a great weekend. Have a great weekend. You too. Jackson Prosco, Global News, Washington Bureau Chief. The majority of Gen Z or Gen Z and millennials are concerned about being able to reach their financial goals without the help of the bank of mom and dad. With some insight, we're joined this morning by Moira Klein-Swormink, Swarmink, is the Principal and Wealth Management Advisor at Solutions. I'll say that again. Principal Wealth Management Advice and Solutions with Edward Jones. Hi, Moira. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Sue. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you being here. So, okay, when we talk about the bank of mom and dad, kids can't get to... Is it the fact that, I mean, we're experiencing high interest rates, we've got, uh, you know, everything has just cost more and more and more, so these young people figure they'll never be able to achieve, for example, buying a home?
4: Yeah, absolutely, Sue. So certainly, while I can't speak for every person, it's important that we do acknowledge that younger Canadians are facing challenges from multiple fronts in today's um, economic uncertainty. So you've got costs of living and inflation that continue to rise, um, and they have goals. They want to be able to afford a home. They want to be able to have children, build a family, and establish themselves, and and all of that comes at a cost. What's fascinating, though, Sue, is that our research also shows that while Gen Z and Millennials are... Um, receiving inheritances, they're actually also most likely to be the ones giving them.
0: Mm, Very interesting. Very interesting. Let's uh, uh, delve more into the uh, Gen Zs and, and millennials, because we're all having a tough time financially. What makes it more difficult on that age group, Mara?
4: you know I think there are a number of factors Andy first off um you know this is the first time they've ever seen this type of uncertainty in their lifetime typically as as adults right so um inflation numbers that you know are unrecognizable to them and so that just begs questions and many Gen Z and Millennials um, haven't had the opportunity to really explore um, financial awareness and to work with advisors and maybe aren't as well-versed in, in the macroeconomic factors, so it can be a bit intimidating.
1: You know, back in the day, you didn't expect your parents to help you out, and if you couldn't afford to buy a home, you just didn't afford to buy a home, but things have really changed. It's kind of a, it, almost expected now, isn't it?
4: Well, you know, I think... There is partnership, right, in terms of, um, of, you know, older adults, especially boomers are saying, listen, we've had the opportunity to, to generate some wealth. And as part of our plan, we're looking at this as a real opportunity to give back and set up our children for success in, in a different um, economic time. And so um, boomers who have these goals and are looking to pass on their wealth are are working with their advisors to say, hey, how might this work? How might I manage my own finances and support the next generation? And then we're also seeing that next generation say, and how might I give back when the time is right as I continue to grow my wealth?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's an interesting cycle. Let's let's talk about the fact that, you know, inheritance – is a lot different than getting a check every 2 weeks that you know that check will be in that bank account every 15 days or so. When it comes to inheritance though, uh, the timing might not uh, you know jive with you know for example the Gen Z or a millennial wanting to buy a home, so could could parents choose to jump start on giving their inheritance and initiate a wealth transfer before they've passed?
4: yes andy certainly we're seeing that parents are considering do we do this while we're living so living gifts are becoming more popular and and you know we have seen a bit of a decrease right in that in our survey over the year but a 12 percent decrease because of this economic uncertainty parents and older adults are saying hmm should we do this now we're concerned about our longevity um we did a recent study with age Wave that um, really revealed that that gap between the health span and lifespan is becoming a concern for us. So how do we make sure that we have enough wealth to, um, to extend and, and support our own retirement? And uh, so, yeah, what we're seeing for sure is that um, it's just more and more important to look at each individual situation and to work with your advisor to map out what makes sense while you're living, and then perhaps, um, you know, once you pass on.
1: Moira, are there tax implications to giving um, a monetary, you know, monetary inheritance, for lack of a better term, uh, pre-death or versus after death? Is one better than the other in terms of taxation?
4: Every financial situation is different. And um, certainly it's advised to work with um, a trusted advisor to map that out, to understand, you know, when is it best? When does it make the most sense based on a multitude of factors, including tax, including timing and then your own longevity and goals
0: moira is that really it That this is where we're sitting in 2022 kind of that perfect storm we can't just peg it on the pandemic but you know as a result we've got this inflation we've got the you know interest rates on the high does it seem like the perfect storm for the younger set hoping to get a foothold and, and get into the housing market for example
4: You know, I think it's a perfect storm for all of us, Um, and and it just um, um, uh, reignites that sort of conversation and that importance of connecting with um, a financial advisor or someone uh, who can objectively look at all of these things, has experience, saying, hey, listen, we've been through this before. Markets do this. There are ups and downs. Uncertainty is the one certainty in the market. So here's how we map out a plan that helps you to achieve your goals, that helps you to make sure that um you know you can understand what's the best timing for you it may not be today it may not be tomorrow but to map that out and then to pressure test that to to make good decisions throughout your lifetime um according with your in accordance with your plan and your goals interesting
1: conversation i'm sure it'll get people talking at home for sure thank you so much for your time this morning moira Thanks, Sue. Thanks, Andy. Have a great day. You too. Moira Klein, Swarmink is the principal, Wealth Management
0: Advice and Solutions at um, Edward Jones. Great text here from Gail. And I mean, you can send in your thoughts, the the whole bank of mom and dad concept. Maybe Mm -hmm. that's kind of a cliche term, but this survey was done by Edward Jones that says that this group, the Gen Z or Gen Zs, you say tomato, I say tomato, Mm -hmm. and millennials, will need a handout. To, to really get that ball rolling, starting their life with home ownership, for example, having real estate, um, you know, and, 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 you know, maybe we were even talking education to a certain extent. Gail says no mom and no bank of mom and dad. You'll be doing them no favors. Gen Z and millennials are the highest educated group. Sorry, no handouts. They're the highest earning, earning bracket. It, it, I get that in the sense that the older set, like Gail goes on to say, retired people were not, or they're not, Uh, all living longer it's more difficult for older people to get back Mm -hmm. in the workplace and that's uh, something that moira pointed out as well people are second guessing saying you know the times aren't just clicking my investments my pension i I gotta make sure this lasts as long as possible stretch those dollars
1: i mean yes you certainly have to be super aware i just think if you do have the means oh i get that you want to do it now and and watch the enjoyment whether it's to help Put a down payment down to put a down payment down to to help in any way you can now so that you can see the pleasure and the joy that it gives as opposed to waiting till after you're dead. And then, (laughs) oh, well, now somebody gets some money.